The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. Happy holidays, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. Ooh, it's the holiday season. Even here in sweltering hellscape Miami, Florida, we're getting a little bit of that holiday air coming our way. I think I actually heard the weather report was saying, the forecast was saying, I kid you not, on Christmas Eve, It's going to get into the 50s, y'all. Like, this is like get into the attic and get your winter coats out of the cardboard box that's degrading in the overly humid attic weather. This is exciting, exciting times. And the holidays are just generally great because you get to spend time with family. And let's live that right now. Let's bring in some family. Producer Lauren, are you excited for the nippy weather coming our way in sunny Miami? It's going to get into the 40s, Ryan. What? Not the 50s. 40s. On Christmas morning. Hold on. I'm going to look it up for you right now. On Christmas morning, we will be waking up to 46 degrees. Oh, no. That, see, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm, <laughs> You're staying bundled up with some hot cocoa and a big heated blanket, huh? Look, weather in the 50s <laughs> sounds neat. It's like, ooh, this never happens in Miami. 40s, I'm not getting out of bed. <laughs> All right? Spoiled Miami. <laughs> I don't... I don't like live in constant fear of hurricanes six months out of the year to deal with 40-degree weather. What is that? Oh, my gosh. Well, if it makes you feel any more Miami, oh, I was going to tell you it gets warmer, but I would lie. (laughs) Tomorrow, the high is 80, but on Christmas Day, the high is 55 degrees. So you actually don't leave the 50s on Christmas. Well... Looking forward to it either way because the holidays are going to be great. This is actually our last break the business of the year. We're closing up shop for 2022, but excited to have you joining us again in the new year. That being said, we got ourselves quite a little program to close ourselves out with for 2022. We are bringing it for this year, and I'm excited for that. Our guest coming up in the next segment Jordy Freed's going to be joining us. Really excited to talk to this gentleman. He's the head of partner marketing and strategy, brand and business development, and video and sound products for Sony Corporation of America. What does that mean? That means he does brand partnerships. He works with some of the biggest names in music and creates brand partnerships with some of the coolest technology around. Spatial audio, VR, a lot of the cutting-edge stuff in music this guy works with and that means we got a lot of stuff to talk to him about because i'm really interested in how indie creators can get more of these brand partnerships that's a huge thing for me i'm interested in the rise of vr and music i'm a huge vr nerd i got my uh what are they called now? It's not called Oculus anymore. My Meta Quest yeah, sitting that. right over there. And I've always been intrigued by VR concerts and what VR can mean for musicians. So I'm going to really pick his brain about that. We got a lot of great stuff to chat with Jordy Freed about in the next segment. That's going to be a blast. Now, Lauren, mm-hmm. the uh, I want to do a little bit of a callback from something we talked about on the show last week because the listeners got a kick out of it. Now, if you remember, mm-hmm. Lauren, uh-huh. we talked a great deal last week about the rise of AI platforms and what it could mean for the music industry. Uh, everybody's talking about ChatGPT right now, this AI platform that can basically answer any question that can handle a lot of tasks. And people are wondering, does those platforms like a uh, chat GPT and other AI platforms, what does that mean for creators? Is it a tool that's going to make creators better or is it potentially the replacement for creators? It's an exciting time for creators. It's a scary time for creators. And one of the things I did, Lauren, if you recall, Mm -hmm. to sort of. To sort, of, to sort of demonstrate where we are is I wanted to kind of scare the listeners a little bit by doing a tip of the week where I asked the ChatGPT AI platform, give me a tip of the week for mm-hmm. my indie music podcast. 
And then I read it on the air without telling the listeners that it was generated by Chad GPT. And then I revealed it at the end. And I expected all of the listeners to be scared. Like, oh my God, the, the machines are taking over. The robots can do everything. But instead, I got the opposite reaction. People loved the Chad GPT tip of the week. I got an email where somebody just wrote in, I want more Chad GPT tips. Another email from a listener. Can you ask the evil robot for more career advice, please? <laughs> I guess they don't want our advice anymore. They, yeah, they just they just <laughs> want to hear from the robots. And who am I to, d to deny the listeners? So until further notice, Fair we're going to have a recurring segment on Break the Business called our AI Overlords Tip of the Week, where I'm going to ask ChatGPT to give us a tip of the week. And ChatGPT gave us a great one here. Here we go. Okay. Our AI Overlords Tip of the Week. I don't know if we have like a banner for that that we can scroll across the bottom of the Let's screen. Let's see. Um, yeah, any kind of fanfare that we got. Oh, um, here we go. Oh, there we go. Wait. Ooh. I saw it. There it is. Okay. So here we go. Our AI Overlords Tip of the Week because that's what the listeners want. They don't want to hear from you or me. They want to hear from the robots. Well, here's what the robots have to say. Okay. One important thing for independent creators to remember is the value of networking and building relationships with other creators and industry professionals. In the fast-paced world of online content creation, it can be easy to get caught up in the hustle and focus solely on creating and promoting your own work. However, building connections and relationships with others in your field can not only be helpful in terms of learning from and collaborating with others, but it can also open up new opportunities and provide valuable support and encouragement as you navigate the often challenging world of independent creation. To start building relationships, consider attending events and conferences, joining online communities and forums, and reaching out to other creators or industry professionals whose work you admire. It's also important to be authentic and genuine in your interactions as building genuine connections is more valuable in the long run than simply trying to network for the sake of networking. A freaking AI platform wrote that. That was incredible. That's so detailed. Right? It's like, what's your advice? Networking is great. I'd be like, oh, thanks. No, it's like, here's a full paragraph and a half on not only that you should network, but how you can and how it benefits you. And That's I can't, in depth. I can't emphasize this enough. I did not ask ChatGPT to give me advice about networking. I told ChatGPT, <laughs> I host a podcast for independent creators. Give me a tip of the week. It picked the tip and it's a really good one because good this one. is this absolutely is my view on networking. Like people talk about networking as if it's like networking period. And as mm -hmm. long as you're just talking to people, as long as you're just messaging people, that's valuable. But the quality of your networking matters more than the quantity. If you're just sort of trying to spam people and, and create a bunch of messages. And what I think is the most annoying thing, which is just sort of like asking people if they can talk for a bit without any sort of like point or any sort of goal. I think that is a waste of your time. And it's the waste of the time of the person you want to network with. When I network, something that's worked for me in, in my 10 years of really trying to work in this industry is I, I engage in what I call purposeful networking. I network with a goal in mind, and not just my own selfish goal in mind, but a goal that me and the networking person can do together. You guys remember mm -hmm. a couple of years back, we had that really successful telethon mm -hmm. where we raised a lot of money for uh, musicians affected by COVID uh, by supporting the Sweet Relief Foundation. And I certainly did that for the reason that we all got involved. We wanted to help people, but it was a networking tool for me too. I was able to reach out to a bunch of folks in the industry who helped with that telethon and... I got a lot more networking out of it because I invited these people to participate in something that mattered to all of us as opposed to just, hey, let's just talk so I can add you to my Rolodex. Same thing with this podcast. I bring people on this show and we get to do a show together as opposed to just talking for the sake of talking. So think about how you can have purposeful networking to make your networking better. I know you're a big fan of networking, Laura. Oh, man. Networking is my best friend. Uh, and a good friend of mine who also has tons of great advice, um, Ken Davenport always talks about when you network, it's uh, better to network when you don't need to or need something. Uh, and nothing mm -hmm. do people want to hear more than how can I help? And offering people that you like and admire as opposed to come see my show, come see my band, I'm doing this thing. Hey, you know, I'm about to do a live stream, but rather I appreciate something I saw you did. 
I love your work. Let me know if there's anything I can do to help you with something. Um, offers like that tend to get reactions and genuine compliments on things. A lot of the time I hear people afraid to contact artists that they respect or people that they consider more successful than them because they feel needy or imposter syndrome or anything else. But I don't know any performer that doesn't like a compliment when it's genuine. They're oh. working for applause. And so, especially in the digital world, they're not hearing enough of it. So if you like something, reach out to somebody, not because they're good to have in your network for your career, but because you like them and want them to know that you appreciate the work they've done because that's valuable networking. And a similar thought with that in terms of, and this is just great advice if you actually want that initial networking contact to lead to a conversation, is get to know the person you're talking to, right? Learn a few things about them that you can then put in that initial message because that sends a signal to the person that you're messaging, oh, I'm not getting spammed here. This person did their homework. and. I'm telling you, even for somebody like me, especially now with a kid has very little time on his hands. If I saw that you actually did a little bit of homework, that you actually listened to a couple episodes of Break the Business, that you read my book, you're going to get like a 100% chance that I'm going to want to like chat with you for 30 minutes if that's what you're asking for. Whereas if it's a spam email, if I can tell that you just cut and paste the same text that you sent to 10 other entertainment lawyers, mm -hmm. not interested. Mm -mm. So... Lauren, this has just been, I, I can't, I have to talk to you about this. This has been, I, this has been on my mind all day. I want to like dedicate the next like few minutes of this show to this before we bring in Jordy Freed. I didn't even think we were going to talk about this this week, but this came on my Twitter feed this morning and it's all I want to talk about. Okay. Okay. I've uh, on Twitter, I was uh, following this uh, terrific uh, first amendment attorney, civil rights attorney named Anastasia Bowden. She okay. is a senior fellow at the, uh, what do I have it here? The Pacific Legal Foundation. She's also the co-host of the podcast Dist, which is about the Supreme Court. And she tweeted out that she won a federal court case on summary judgment, I believe yesterday or earlier this week, in which the court held that the First Amendment protects the rights of musicians in Houston to busk, to, to play out in busking. And she was the attorney that represented that uh, that case. She got the win, a huge win for the First Amendment. And you know, this is so exciting to me. Like the, just the idea yes. of like, because I mean, so much of the law in this world protects the big people, right? We're always hearing about laws and courts and everything, like going against the big people. But the idea of just like a busking musician, somebody just trying to play their music out in the world, gets a win gets protected by the Constitution and that there's a lawyer out there who was yes. helping out that musician. I believe the musician's like an accordion player. Imagine just like being a musician, just seeing this accordion player and being like, I'm going to use the full weight of my legal knowledge to make sure that that accordion can play out in public. Gotta love this. So, yes, I'm impressed. That's, yeah, I, I have questions. <laughs> yes, I do too. And who better to answer those questions than... Uh, Anastasia Bowden herself. We actually have her on the line. Let's go ahead and bring her in. As I said before, she is a senior attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation, the host of the DIST podcast, and dare I say, First Amendment hero, uh, <laughs> Anastasia Bowden, joining us on Break the Business. Anastasia, this is so wild to me. Like, what a, what a cool case. And, you know, so often on this show, which is this program is all about helping independent creators, we so often have to talk about how hard it is for independent creators and how we just don't get a lot of wins, as many wins for independent creators as we should. But this is a solid win for independent creators, many of whom rely on busking to make their livelihood. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the case that uh, that you got this favorable ruling on this week? Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right that uh, it's not only hard for independent creators, it's hard for their attorneys when they walk into court trying to to get a win because unfortunately, courts don't give a lot of respect to the right to earn a living. If you go into court and you say, hey, I'm being deprived of my livelihood here, courts just don't care. But if you go in and you say, you know, there's a speech aspect here, courts light up. They're like, ooh, First Amendment, we like that right. <laughs> and so, 
you know, we were lucky enough to have that crossover here to really get the court's attention. And, and I think it's nice because it does grab the attention. I think most people like busking. Busking is beautiful. Um, there's something really deep, even though it's, you know, people, it's a, it's a light topic, but in a way it's, it's something fundamental to our well-being. you know, music and providing a service that other people enjoy and want to give you money for. And you're practicing your skill and you're getting a little bit of money for it. Um, it combines all of these rights. And so it's a way to introduce courts to the tie-in between creation and earning a living and, uh, and hopefully, you know, subtly teaching them that the right to earn a living is important too. Can you tell us a little bit about the law in Houston uh, that the court held violated the first amendment? Yeah, well, Houston had actually banned uh, busking in most of the city. It banned it in all of the city except for a small portion called the theater district. And in the theater district, you could bus, but you had to get a permit first. And it was a very mm -hmm. onerous process. I mean, it was expensive. You had to bus in the same spot every time. And you actually had to get permission from the adjacent property owners to bus there, which in First Amendment law is considered a heckler's veto. If people don't like your busking, they'll just say no, you know. Adjacent property owners should not have control over your free speech rights. And so it was extremely onerous. And our client, Tony Brilla, who's a professional musician, professional writer as well, accordionist, he had gotten that permit for a year, but he just decided it wasn't it wasn't paying for itself because nobody was there wasn't enough foot traffic in the theater district to justify it. And so instead of renewing it, he chose to uh, join us in suing the government, which is my job. And it was my uh, pleasure to represent him. How did you, how did you come across this client? Like how, how did they find you or you found them? Yeah, well, I, I'm a big fan of busking. <laughs> yeah, all right. And my my family knows, like, if we're approaching a busker, they need to whip out their wallets because we're going to give that busker a dollar. I just think it's a beautiful thing, and I love our kind I of love person. The, yeah, I love the I love the gutsiness behind it, you know. And um, so I have been looking into these regulations, and I was just kind of poking around and googling, and I saw that somebody had written an op-ed about it, and it was Tony Brilla. He had written about his experience navigating these crazy regulations. There was like no one in the Houston department to answer his questions. Half of them didn't even know this whole permit scheme existed. It was this Kafka-esque nightmare to bust, and I felt compelled. I felt that we had to represent this man, um, and so we called him up and said, you know, would you want to be a civil rights plaintiff? And he said, absolutely. Ah. That's a great pitch. I mean, I, I mean <laughs> what buskers like, nah, <laughs> I mean, any bird. Yeah. I mean, would you like to be a civil rights plaintiff like that? I mean, that's the kind of people we make movies about. Like who would, who would not, who would not want to be a civil rights plaintiff? That sounds so, so exciting. Well, let me ask you this now, because your case was about a Houston law, but certainly there are plenty of cities all over the U S that may either currently have or may have in the future some limitations on busking. And so there are musicians out there right now who might be adversely affected by these overly restrictive busking laws. What sort of things might a musician look for in a law that could make them go, you know what, that's over the line as a restriction. That's probably going to violate the First Amendment, and I should talk to a lawyer about that. Yeah, I think no one disputes that there might be good reasons for restrictions. For example, when there's a lot of foot traffic and they they just have to allocate it somehow, right? We can't we can't let there be uh, potential safety issues with cars passing by. You know, you could think of like, let's say no busking on the middle of a uh, like an embankment between lanes or something. Um, it's kind of commonsensical. If there's a real palpable health or safety interest, then you know, that's not going to be challengeable in court. But if it's something where particularly they are distinguishing between different types of speech. So here in Houston, they were like panhandling, fine. Busking, no way. You know, <laughs> if they're doing things like that, that's a, that your, your spidey senses, your spidey First Amendment se uh, senses should go up. Yeah. You can ask for it for free, but you can't work for it. Thanks. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> I see that a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I, this is, you took on one client, is that correct? Like you weren't taking on in theory busking in general to Houston. You had a client that you were fighting for in this. 
Yeah, that's right. Our clients, you know, they are vehicles for moving the law. Um, they act as a stand-in for everyone else. Although we met really great people along the way. One of my favorite was a man, one of my favorites was a man who wanted to start a group to keep children off the street in Houston, particularly for at-risk youth, at-risk boys. Um, I believe they were going to call it, it was some pun, you know, buskers and singers love puns. It was like a boys to men pun. Boys into men, I think was the name. Uh, but he was prohibited because of this law. And so we met people like that. You know, people don't realize how how uh, burdensome and how far reaching these regulations can be. They think it's just kind of simple. But actually, you're really here potentially endangering children who needed a place to go after school and needed a hobby to to keep them safe. And so we met a lot of great people, even though it was just Tony, who was our client. And it's funny you say, who doesn't want to be a civil rights client? Um, a lot of people, they hang up on me. They can't believe that I would represent them for free, right? They think it's a scam. Um, right. But it's, <laughs> it's not. It's just constitutional law. Well, and I think what I saw a lot with the buskers when I was over at the Fringe Festival, which is a huge um, busking thing, was that it's really hard to get them organized because by nature, that's not who they are. They're very nomadic. They don't want to work within the system and they don't work together as much as, you know, side by side, but nobody uh, really forms organizations on their behalf. And that seems to be a big struggle. So I, I applaud you, number one, for, uh, for doing something because it's not easy. Yay! And I applaud your client for being willing to step up and represent a huge group that isn't asking for representation because they don't really know how. And you had to fight for that. And uh, you had to hunt. And so I, I appreciate that you believe what you did, but don't stop. That's true. And, you know, I, your, your client does have a lot of courage when I, when I do say, you know, who doesn't want to be a civil rights plaintiff? Cause that sounds exciting. This does take courage, right? It, it takes courage to literally make a federal case out of this, which is and what your time. client was willing to do. Yeah. Time to be the face of this kind and of thing. Time is value. Three years, three years. To, wow. To decision, right? Three years. This is why I don't do litigation. I don't have the patience for it. So is this a done deal in Houston? Do you anticipate that the city's going to appeal this? I think it would uh, be a very bold call to appeal this. I think it's pretty straightforward First Amendment law. It's it's amazing to me that it took three years. Um, this is one of the broadest bans and most onerous permitting schemes in the entire country. And for them to test that, I think, would not be wise. But you never know. The time yeah. is not run, so we'll see. Well, either way, this is a this is a week for celebration. What a great what a great thing to like, you know, nice feather in your cap as you're going into the holidays. That's got to get you into the holiday spirit, knowing that you helped a lot of fantastic yeah. indie creators in Houston. Anastasia, congratulations and thank you for the great work that you do. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Anastasia Bowden, everybody. First Amendment hero. I don't know if she'll say it because, uh, you know, <laughs> lawyers have to be more. Uh, humble about these things but i mean that is a very cool story that helps indie creators and uh it definitely puts me in the holiday spirit lauren before the show started you actually threw a bunch of holiday topics at me that you thought we should cover like you tell me which one you want to hit me with first because you had a lot of good ones there and we haven't talked enough about the holidays right now happy happy hanukkah everyone while we're recording we're in the middle of hanukkah so yay um but i was saying holiday gigs i i don't know i assume everybody knows but i don't know how many people actually know how valuable and profitable the holiday season is um and finding ways to maximize that is of incredible value even in the fact that it can roll over to your lulls in the rest of the year you can book multiple gigs a day this is the time to go out to corporations businesses in your local neighborhood and say do you guys do a holiday party if you don't you know that it increases productivity and it makes your employees feel grateful and welcome and if you want to throw something together we'd be happy to help out like uh, go to local bars and restaurants see the kinds of things that they're doing for the holiday season most places do pay better at the holidays you can get higher rates for things holiday content everybody who's looking for gigs right now is looking for holiday gigs so if you can market yourself that way that is going to lead to more opportunities coming your way if all that makes sense it does 
<laughs> the other thing I was looking up is public domain holiday songs. So if you're a cover band, if you're a band that creates original music, try to add in some of the songs that everybody knows and wants to hear into your rep that don't cost you anything to add in. Oh, there Does you that go. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch of them. Uh, what was I trying? And it's good for like, you know, if you're going to make uh, covers or you're going to put it in a music video or something like that. Oh, yeah. Good to know the public domain hits. Deck the Halls, Jingle Bells, Joy to the World, Oh Holy Night, 12 Days of Christmas, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. I mean, the list goes on and on, but there's there's a huge number of songs that you can make your own um, royalty free. And they are in the public domain. That being said, don't take, this is the lawyer advice that I'm not giving because I'm not a lawyer. Uh, just because the song is in the public domain doesn't mean a recording is. So if you're making a video of something, don't take somebody else's Oh Holy Night and play it and go, but it's in the public domain. That is uh, <laughs> sage advice and uh, something that it's very much worth imparting to artists. Because <laughs> uh, I, I see that one all too often. Um, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about the public domain, actually, because... January 1st is fast approaching, which means we have a new crop new of stuff list. that's entering the public domain. And on the music side, pretty excited for the jazz standard Blue Skies to be <gasps> making its way to the public domain. Yeah, Blue Skies smiling at me. Nothing but Blue Skies do I see. I'm not going to sing another January. line of that I know. I was like, until January year, 1st. Next year. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a, a cool time of year for that stuff. And yes, the uh, uh, great advice about... Christmas covers and avoiding the use of the sound recording uh, because the sound recording might not be in the public domain, but the original song uh, very well could be. So record your own version of it and um, great way to make use of the vast uh, array of public domain uh, songs that are available to you. Uh, Cyber PR music in this same vein had a lot of great pieces of advice on how to use social media over the holidays to kind of get some interest in your in your music and uh, i encourage folks to you know check that out we can put the link in the show description but uh, our friends at cyber pr talked about creating holiday themed content for your socials maybe you take some of those christmas songs you make facebook videos out of them twitter videos out of them of you performing those songs again if they're public domain you can do a cover video you don't have to worry about getting any synchronization licenses or anything like that uh, the uh, article also talked about creating a holiday hangout. This is the time of year mm. to uh, connect with others. And so if you have a close group of fans, maybe this is where you host a hangout on Zoom or on Twitch or something, a private hangout where your fans can chat with you and you can chat with them and give you those fan connections over the holidays, especially if you're one of those creators that doesn't play a lot of holiday gigs that wants to kind of wind down on the holidays this might be a nice way to make use of some of that holiday free time to hang out with your fans. And while you're at it, why not use this time of year to associate with a charity, get mm. your fans doing some kind of charity drive like we did a couple years ago with Sweet Relief, uh, doing some kind of charity, getting your fans involved, a great way to promote awareness of a great cause on your socials, boost fan engagement. Yeah, there's just there's a lot of opportunity that comes so at this time of year, Lauren, oh, and that's yeah. why it's exciting to me. And yeah, and in theory, everybody's in a either in a better mood than they usually are, or in a worse mood, and they need you more. So either way, <laughs> that's uh, very very true. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to bring in our friend Jordy Freed. Excited for this interview, and I hope you all are too. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. We'll be right back. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show, and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you. A lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. 
LEK Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. LEK Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTV Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Thank you for checking us out wherever you check us out. You've been checking us out the whole year on podcasting platforms, on live streaming platforms like Twitch and YouTube Live and Facebook Live and LinkedIn. Many of you, uh, an increasing number of you, and we love hearing from you, are checking us out on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Love our radio audience. Wherever you're checking us out, gosh, we have been so thrilled to be hanging out with you this year as we look back on this year and how much our little program has grown as much as uh, you know all the new people we're meeting all the folks that are reaching out to me on you know whether it's social media or email saying hey thanks for that advice that was a great guest you brought on one of your co-hosts made such a great point we're grateful for the work that Lauren's doing whatever it is that stuff makes us so so happy and uh, just I mean looking back on the year Nothing but smiles and uh, the like the big smile that producer Lauren has on her face right now. I love all of you. (laughs) (laughs) Right. uh, Feeling is mutual um, on this end of the show as well. Speaking of people that we love, that we are excited to hear from, let's go ahead and bring out our guest this week. He is the head of partner marketing and strategy, brand and business development, and video and sound products for Sony Corporation of America. In his role, he has overseen partnership projects with artists like Doja Cat, Pink, and Pharrell Williams. His work also has him exploring the role that emerging technologies such as VR and immersive audio can play in entertainment. Exciting stuff here. We are thrilled to welcome Jordy Freed on to break the business. Hello, Jordy. Hi there. Thanks for having me, Ryan, Lauren. Great to meet you. Great to be meeting you. Great to be chatting with you. I want to talk to you all about emerging technology, brand partnerships. That's all super important, and I don't want to discount any of that. But first, Uh I need you to tell us about the time (laughs) that you were a radio host at a jazz Uh. station in Philadelphia (laughs) and fell asleep during your overnight shift. Oh, As no. a former radio person who has fallen asleep yeah. on many an overnight shift, because that that four to seven a.m. shift will kill you. I need to. He- I, I sympathize. I understand. I got to hear this story. No, it, it's a great story. Um, need to preface it by saying I was eighteen years old. So <laughs> cut Excuses. me some slack. I, I was eighteen. I was in college, and yeah, I, I was a big jazz fan. Was working at this radio station, like Philly's jazz radio station, not a student student station, an actual, you know, the station for Philadelphia for jazz. And uh, I somehow managed to get an overnight shift. Right, I was in school. And, you know, it was like the 3 a.m. hour, 4 a.m. hour. I was doing a double shift. I think it was like a 12 to 6 shift. And I was like, yeah, you know, 18 years old, you you can truck through, right? But apparently I couldn't. (laughs) So I said, okay, you know, I'll choose a really long song. I'll I'll just like shut my eyes for a minute, like a 13 (laughs) minute song. I think it was like a Branford Marsalis song or something like that. Next thing I know, I was on the floor and the switchboard just lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> and, oh, no. and, and, and I learned that people do actually listen at 4 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> at least that's a plus. You got to know you had listeners. You had- yes, I, I had listeners and, and I, I honestly don't know how much dead air there was. That was going to say, how um, long That was going to be my question, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I actually don't know. I don't think it was for a very long time. Um, I don't want to relive that moment. <laughs> You didn't go back but, and replay it for yourself. See, because <laughs> like the radio hosts today, they don't understand the struggle, right? Because these days, if you if if you're doing the graveyard shift at a radio station, 
You can just program like 10 songs back to back and take a little nap and no one's the wiser because there's always going to be music playing. But in Jordy's time and even in like and in my time, like in, in radio, like we had to put records on turntables or CDs and CD players. And once that CD or that record was done playing, that was it. You're ahead dead air. And so it was a scary time doing those graveyard shifts in radio. Oh, yeah. It, it's called willpower. <laughs> willpower to stay awake yeah no, i so. feel like it gave you the fortitude to be able to handle like doing brand partnerships with some of the biggest names in music i mean if you can handle you know 4 a.m staying awake on a jazz radio station on a cold night in philadelphia you can handle whatever doja cat throws at you yeah so, it, it's it's like a workout basically you force yourself yeah. to stay awake yeah you, know. you paid your dues yeah, yeah. Pay, you literally pay your dues you know so all right, now, yeah. now that now that we've sufficiently made fun of you for your radio <laughs> days, let's talk about the amazing work that you're doing with Sony. Can you tell us a little bit about your day-to-day? Because it seems like the coolest job in the world. I'm really grateful. First of all, Sony's an incredible company, right? So many people know Sony. We all know Sony, and people know Sony from different you know, industries because of how diverse we are, whether it's Sony Music. You know, this is a, a music-focused podcast, right? So... A lot of your listeners, they, when they hear Sony, they probably think the label, um, you know, Sony Electronics, TVs, headphones, Sony Pictures, PlayStation, right? It's this incredible iconic depth of a brand, right? That has so many different resources. Um, it's really focused on creators at the end of the day uh, and content, right? Um, in my role, I get to really work at the intersection of tech and entertainment and music, right? So particularly on the sound side. So, you know, how is what we're doing from a sound technology and hardware perspective, empowering incredible music listening experiences and also music creation for creators, right? And at the end of the day, we're we're about connecting creators and consumers, right? So, uh, to kind of be at the intersection of that for such an iconic brand that's um, really at the forefront of developing whatever's next in tech is, is pretty pretty amazing um, yeah. to, to kind of have a seat on that train, you know. And a tech innovation I've really been kind of falling in love with the last couple months is this immersive audio. The first time I put on my earbuds and I heard a song in immersive audio where, I mean, for the uninitiated, it's just the idea of like, imagine if like all the people in the band were like playing all around you in 360 degrees and whichever way you turn your head, you're going to hear like a different, like the instruments being played in a different way. So it, it sounds like the sounds in the room in like a 360 degree experience. I mean, my jaw dropped the first time I heard something in immersive audio it, it blew my mind. I mean, you must have had a similar experience and, you know, it, it must excite you to get to like sort of take that technology and partner with artists to help promote it. Yeah. I mean, I first experienced 360 reality audio um, in 2017, believe it or not, years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, before, it, before it was even called 360. Um, and I've watched the tech grow. I've watched the content grow. I've watched kind of seeing these creators get exposed to this technology for the first time and the idea is incubating, right? Um, you know, it, the, the only way to really describe it for those who don't know is um, it, it's like there's black and white and then there's color, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's like, you know, it, it's 2D and 3D in the uh, almost literal sense. I, I'm not going to say literally because technically that's not the appropriate or accurate thing to say when describing this technology, um, you know, but it, it, it really creates a realistic and realism experience when you're, you, you feel like you're stepping into the music, right? You, and, and for the right mix, I mean, there is nothing like it. Um, you know, and, and this is just the beginning too. The tech is always improving. It's living and breathing. It's growing. The applications for the technology are continuing to expand. I mean, you know, even just a couple of years ago at CES, we did audio video for the first time in 360. Um, you know, there are plans, you know, for live content as well. Um, so just to see the growth of, you know, what we're able to do 
to kind of push the boundaries for how creators can create and consumers can experience the tech is amazing. And really at the end of the day, it does come back to the creator because when you're working with these creators, right? They're, they're creative geniuses in their own right, each of them. And when you put this tech in front of them, um, you know, everyone has a different perspective and ideas spark um, and applications get suggested, right? So, you know, again, it comes back to being a very creator first company in terms of just what we focus on. I love this. Yeah, it's like that audio is like getting hugged by the music. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like getting a gentle hug by your favorite song. It's so, so cool. I mean, the I... only technology that I'm even more excited about than like this immersive audio, I was talking to Lauren a little bit about this in the first segment, yep. is the potential that VR has mm. in music. I've gotten pretty obsessed with my MetaQuest. Uh, I'm, I'm playing that all the time, whether it's golf plus, which I think is like the coolest app I've ever played in the whole wide world or, mm. or just any of the exercise apps, beat saber. I mean, the ties that exist between music and VR are exciting. And I know you're on the cutting edge of that. Can you talk a little bit about the role that you see VR playing in music going forward? Cause I think as cool as it is right now, we've only scratched the surface of VR's potential. Yeah, I mean, obviously, VR, metaverse, buzzwords, growing space, um, it's a space that's continuing to evolve. I mean, I, I will say, you know, Sony, because we own PlayStation, um, we're, we're in a very unique position, um, you know, from a VR application perspective to kind of look at those applications. I mean, we, we did some activity with the Chainsmokers years ago in the VR space through uh, the PSVR headset, right? Um, you know, so, I mean, we've always been looking at those applications in this space, you know, a lot of it does come down to core technology too. Uh, some of the call technolo core technologies, you know, that you might find on a streaming service might be, um, cousins to what you might find in a gaming engine. Right. And again, I know this isn't a technical podcast, so I don't want to get too technical. Um, but what's interesting is when you have these great companies like PlayStation and Sony Electronics and Sony Music and each of these companies and even Sony Pictures too, right? Can't, can't discount Sony Pictures. And each of these companies, aside from their content initiatives, are always looking at tech. There's a lot of interesting conversation that happens among these companies in terms of what everyone's working on and how there's intersections. So, I, I mean, you know, you, you can read the headlines. I mean, um, I, I believe, yeah, I, VR has been an important tentpole for, for the PlayStation family uh, for a number of years. And Sony Music's had artists collaborate uh, in the VR space. And I mean, from an audio technology perspective, um, it's something we can't ignore, you know? Yeah. Do you think we're going to see a lot more VR concerts? I mean, you certainly see it from Meta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you certainly and, see it. From and I should growing. revise my prior my my prior Ooh. question because uh, I've mentioned uh, your competitor a lot. So I'll, I'll say uh, when I'm using my uh, PlayStation VR equipment, I'm just so excited about the potential of <laughs> VR and music. There we go. <laughs> well, when they combine and I'm sure they already have and I'm just not privy to it. But the 360 immersive audio with the virtual reality headsets where like when you're in that room or that concert, you can walk over to this area and hear the saxophonist more clearly because you're now near him. Yeah. Um, and that combination excites me quite a bit. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential for the tech application to that digital experience for sure. Um, we haven't announced anything. We haven't rolled anything out yet. Uh, when we're ready, you'll, you guys will definitely be one of the early folks to find out. Um, <laughs> you know, another space we are interested in too that is public is actually something called sound AR. So, you know, there's VR and AR. And for those of, you know, you listening who don't know, AR is augmented reality. So it's the world you live in with digital elements overlaid on top of that and not living completely in, you know, a virtual world. And we do have certain features um, like 
for example, are Link Buds, new earbuds that came out earlier this year um, that do have certain sound AR capabilities in terms of when you go out in the world, how you know you experience certain sounds overlaid among your environment. And there's oh. unique integrations we have with Microsoft for that. And, um, and that's really getting into sound sound, even beyond music. But when, when you bring it back to music, based on some of these core technologies, there's, again, tons of interesting application, you know. So my question here is, how do the indie artists and the people who aren't already connected to the people at Sony, how do they make use of this? Is there a way they can release their stuff in this immersive audio? Can they be putting together concerts in a way that offer AR, VR opportunities? How, how can they get that kind of help? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I, I do want to say that we are extremely focused and interested in engaging the DIY in indie community. And we have done some things um, over the past couple of years. Um, you know, there are things in development which I can't get into right now. But um, I will say, for example, the software to mix in 360 reality audio, it's not some you know, trade secret that you can't get access to unless you're a signed major label artist, it's actually available. Um, you know, it's a 360 round audio creative suite and it's okay. a Pro Tools plugin. It, it plugs into a variety of DAWs. Um, and this is something that we are scaling with strategic partners. And we want this to be available and used by the masses. Um, because at the end of the day, if you look at the market share, I mean, we all know this. If you look at the market share of volume of recorded music, it's it's indie music at the end of the day. Yeah. So, and that's growing and growing and growing. Um, you know, and you see that being addressed at the highest levels of you know the corporate music industry. Um, you know, as an area of real interest and opportunity, right? Mm. So, from our perspective, when we talk about sound creation, mixing, etc. We absolutely need to and want to be working with independent creators and DIY creators. And again, we've done some uh, activities uh, with certain organizations that are tapped into communities. We've worked with uh, an organization called Jamcard. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this organization. Uh, it's a great creator community based in Los Angeles. It's expanding internationally. Um, and it's a network of thousands of indie musicians um, you know, we did some work with uh, music.com, uh, a startup. Yeah, music.com. Wow. <laughs> it does exist um, mm -hmm. that Pharrell Williams was involved with where, you know, when COVID hit, one of our key focuses was, okay, who's hurting the most in the music industry? Um, and, and that's independent creators, that, like the every creator who lost their gig. You know, they can't go to the bar down the street to, you know, make some money for that week or they can't teach private lessons you know in person or, or whatever so we created a program that you know if some of these creators submitted um you know a short video talking about a song that inspired them to this website um you know and submitted music that could be eligible for mixing uh we would give them a certain amount of money like in the hundreds of dollars um, and they would have a chance for their content to be mixed, right? And we did that, and it was a great program. So we've done some things in the indie space, um, but you know, back to your core question, the software is available, um, <clears throat> but we're creating uh, a broader infrastructure to support kind of that wider distribution. So Once it, they record it, how to get it out there, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the other, when these new things come out, you're going to come back to the Break the Business podcast and uh, let all of our listeners correct. know, right? Okay. Absolutely. And you're correct. welcome to share that stuff with us when it's ready. Open door policy. That being Thank said, you. if you want to share any of that proprietary stuff right now, we'd be happy to hear it. Look, all right. I know enough <laughs> about the music industry to know that in December... Y'all close up shop. I guarantee you, you bosses aren't listening right now. You, you know what? They'll after never this, find out. You know what? I'm, I'm hopping on a call with Japan right after this. So I'm actually still working. <laughs> they don't let you have time off. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I'll get a couple days off. But, um, you know, uh, our 
our colleagues at Sony Music, like Universal Music, um, you know, the, the, the record labels are off. Um, I am on the Sony Corporation of America side, oh. which has different implications for <laughs> there vacation. You go. Right. I was about to say, cause like, I, yeah. I, I'm trying to get like some folks from the label side on Sony on the phone for like my entertainment clients. And I can't get anybody to return a call <laughs> or an email right now. But that, you're saying that's the label publishing side. You guys on the product side are are buzzing away. They're we're, making the technology you know, and they want everybody to use it. I love it. That That is true. And, and we have CES coming up next month. So. Um, th- this is always a fun and interesting time. So with that, yeah, doubt. yeah, yeah. So I want to, sh- I want to kind of shift gears here and talk about something that you said in interviews before that I thought was really intriguing. So mm-hmm. in, in researching for this interview, I, I've heard you say in the past that it is important to seize big opportunities that come your way. Always mm. generally good advice that we try to encourage around here. Mm. But I've also heard you say that one of the most important lessons that you've learned in your own career is to how to say no to things. Mm. And so I'm wondering, how have you in your own work learned to balance those things? How have you learned how to distinguish an opportunity worth seizing with an opportunity worth saying no to? Um, That's a really, really great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that question, and I appreciate it. It's it's a great question, and I I I I think I know the answer to this question instinctively. Um, The first thing is actually uh, time. So time time is a commodity. Time has value, right? And if you are making decisions, sometimes you do have to make decisions very quickly, right? But for the pivotal decisions, right, um, you you need time to really think through, be analytical, weigh all the pros and cons, talk to your, like your board, right? You know, there are people that I know and I trust that have different perspectives. And earlier on in my career, I might've leaned too much on that board to help guide my decisions. And as I've matured and gotten more experience, I've realized that board is just, you know, there to offer perspective for you to consider, but you have to make these decisions yourself. Um, And I I will say, believe it or not, what it has come down to um, for me is my gut feeling. Believe it or not, Um, I instinctively, like when, when I reflect back on things that may have worked or may not have worked, Usually that my gut feeling was aligned with whether or not they were going to work or not. Um, but it's also your risk tolerance too, in terms of, okay, how, you know, uh, what kind of risk are you willing to, to take? And, and I, I actually, one of the more recent kind of philosophies that I've taken uh, has actually been an Amazon music leadership or not Amazon music. I'm, I'm saying Amazon music because, do a lot of work with Amazon Music, but an Amazon <laughs> corporate um, philosophy in terms of how their leaders make decisions. And, um, you know, there there's like one one way decisions or two way decisions um, And the one like one way decisions. You make that decision, you can't reverse it. Mm-hmm. The two way decisions. OK, if you know, if you take that action, can you reverse it? What's the impact? And that's a really interesting and, and unique way to look at decision making in terms of, you know, yes or no. Because, you know, if you take that philosophy, you know, okay, you make a decision. So what's the domino effect? What's the impact? You know, how can you walk it back? What's your exit strategy? If you map all of this out, it becomes more of calculated risk more than anything else, right? Um, and you get closer to making a really analytical decision that's rooted in logic versus, but, but also backed by gut feeling, um, versus just going one way or another. So it's, I guess what I'm getting at is it's a hybrid of gut feeling and a lot of just inner reflection and, and, you know, analytical thinking. And telling yourself it's okay to say no sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you have to. And it's about prioritization at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, you, you just have to prioritize what works for you and, and what doesn't. And, and you know, I, I guess in my day to day, it comes down to triage. Right. Mm -hmm. it, a lot of it is triage, you know, um, because if you try and make everyone happy at the same time, no one will be happy and you will not be happy. Um, so you have to kind of look at your decision, decision day by day and just say, OK, you know, <laughs> what, what needs the most attention right now at this moment? You know, yeah. can I say no to this right now? It is an interesting shift that I think happens in most creators lives at some point where you go from just trying to find anything that you can say yes to, to eventually hitting the point where there's enough things coming in that you have to start saying no to some of them. And that's a whole other set of challenges in and of itself. And something that I think musicians and creators in general can struggle with because they're in the service business, right? They, they are people pleasers by nature. Yeah. And so it's easy for them to get overwhelmed, to burn themselves out, to take on too much on their plate. And so, yeah, learning how to say no is a, is a important strategy. Yeah. I, I have something to add on that. Knowing that your audience is very creator focused, um, you know, and, and this is where I'm going to kind of, kind of apply my kind of brand hat on the table, right? Brand strategy, brand marketing, you know, advice here, um, you know, to, to your point, uh, creators may have challenges saying no because they're looking for any opportunity they can get. And, you know, any opportunity is an opportunity that you think is going to move you in the right direction. Well, the challenge with that is not every opportunity fits the direction you want to go or where you actually want to go. So if you have an end goal of doing X, Y, and Z and standing for something as a creator or an artist, right? Um, you might have that long-term vision. However, if you have X, Y, and Z opportunities that come up and you say yes to those, how do those fit within that, that path for your end game? Does it take you away? Does it change your branding? Does it change your perception? Does it change you know, your value in market? Does it sacrifice what you're doing from an artistic standpoint? All of that. So if, you know, to, to the kind of the core point of, you know, your audience and saying, no, you, like I'd say for creators, like think about that end game. Right. Mm -hmm. And if, if you really want to focus on that end game, how do you, you know, analyze each decision within the context of a track versus just any opportunity. Right. Our guest has been Jordy Freed. He is the head of partner marketing and strategy, brand and business development and video and sound products for Sony corporation of America this has been a blast. I have really enjoyed exploring this technological space with you, having you share some amazing advice for our creators to close out the year. And we would love it if we could trouble you for just one final piece of advice before you go. Our final okay. question here, do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? Uh, that's a great question. Work, work, work. Hustle, hustle, hustle. That's what it is at the end of the day. The more work you put in, the, the luckier you will be. You, you, you know, you can work very hard to get very lucky. Um, and then I'll add to that is really straight, stay true to who you are as your brand and identity um, to, and, and really get to the core of what makes you unique as a creator. And if you put that work with your own identity, right? for what speaks to you, then you probably have a much better shot at getting what you want. Fabulous advice. Jordy, whenever you have some great big product development that you want to share, uh, please come to us as soon as that information gets released, maybe even a week before it gets released, if you want to give us a little bit of an early peek <laughs> at it. No, no one's sure. going to begrudge yeah. you. Either way, we'd be thrilled to chat with you again. Thank you so much for your time this week. Yeah, Ryan, Lauren, thank you so much. Happy right. holidays. Happy Appreciate holidays. It. Jordy Freed, everybody. Love talking to the people on the product side. They're doing some really cool stuff. I'm telling you, Lauren, the first time I heard that immersive audio, like yeah. it, it's, it's sort of like when you watch 
like television in high definition and then you go back to watching standard definition and it looks like it's from a hundred years ago. Like the first time I, I listened to something in immersive audio and then went back to the regular kind of audio, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> it was, a, it was, it was you know, a huge difference. It was like, it was like listening to music out of a tin can. <laughs> well, he had said it was like, you know, 2d versus 3d, but I almost feel like, um, you know, surround sound would be the 3d. This is like putting on that virtual reality headset and looking around and being like, Oh, look it it goes everywhere yeah <laughs> like, that's crazy i'm excited very excited well as we said before this is our final break the business of the year i know we're all shedding tears around here but we're really excited to come back in 2023 we have a lot of fantastic guests to start things off in january we're going to be really hitting the ground running next year it's going to be fantastic our thanks to uh, Anastasia Bowden for joining us in the first segment. Our thanks to Jordy Freed for joining us as our guest this week. My thanks to you, producer Lauren, not just for this week, but for everything you do for this program. Uh, we, uh, I love you. The All the fans love you. You keep this show running, and I am, I'm so grateful for that. And I appreciate you, too. And finally, the biggest of thank yous to all of you, viewers and listeners, for checking out Break the Business, for helping us grow this community, for creating just a fun place for all of us to hang out each week mm -hmm. and talk about the thing that uh, I'm passionate about, that you're passionate about, empowering indie creators. Have a happy and safe and productive and fun holiday season. We're going to see you in 2023. Much love. Thanks for checking out Break the Business. See you next year. Break.